praises to the lamb who was slain, if there's, if there's any day in which that is most appropriate, maybe it's today. Romans chapter 8 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are being called according to his purpose. My guess would be this morning that if I would ask you that every single thing in your life that happened hasn't been good, I, I, I would question you if anybody's ready to say yes to that. Not everything that we experience, not everything that we feel, not everything that cross our paths feels good. And sometimes it takes seasons before we recognize the good that come out of some things. And yet, Scripture makes this promise. He works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Certainly, we understand now, how many hundreds of years later, what uh, good came of the cross. I want you, to the best of our ability that we can this morning, imagine those who were there, whether or not they could even for one moment, imagine the good of it. Um, sometimes for us, it becomes a story because it's, it's just the words on the page. But I want for us to remember that there were people who were close, who were there at the moment. You, you've had those moments, have you not? When the things that you anticipate, the things that maybe you've planned for, the things that you've actually worked to put together, suddenly the wheels fall off of it. And, and none of it comes together like you thought it would. If you've ever experienced anything like that, you get a, you just maybe a taste of what it would have been like for the people who were close to Jesus, who loved him, who were connected to him, who saw something in him and, and assumed something and anticipated something. The cross itself, it was only a few days earlier, last Sunday, that we celebrated the triumphal entry. And the picture that scripture paints for us is that there was a massive amount of energy and celebration around Jesus himself. And again, we only know because we're this far on the other side of the story. But what they were envisioning and what they were anticipating wasn't at all what God was doing. So we come to this day and we recognize that our focus today is in fact the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. A horrible event, not just in physical torture, but a catastrophic moment for those who were close to him. The Passover was normal. Jesus had given them instructions to go and prepare a table. It quite honestly didn't look anything like this. But they asked them to go and prepare. And my guess would be that for the disciples, up to that point, everything seemed rather normal. Perhaps Jesus was a little bit out of character. I'm sure they would have asked one another, something seems heavy on his heart. What's, what's different? There's something in the air that's different. But for the most part, they went ahead and did what they always do at that time. Gethsemane even, in fact, was normal. We find in scriptures that after the meal, Jesus invited them to follow them out to the Mount of Olives and they went to the garden where he prayed. And John tells us in his gospel that Judas knew where he would find Jesus because they had been to that same place before. And so even that much would have been normal for them. After the Passover meal, let's go out to Gethsemane and spend some time separated from everybody else and pray. That much would have been out of the ordinary for them happened next changed the course of their history, our history, and in fact brings us here today. All four Gospels tell the story. Judas shows up in that place with a mob of people. I don't know how many have seen artwork of that moment, the arrest of Jesus, but typically artists for centuries now have painted in that picture Roman soldiers, which there weren't. 
Scripture says it wasn't, it wasn't the Romans who came to arrest him. It was the, it was the priests. It was the temple. <laughs> they came to get him with clubs and spears and torches. And Jesus asked a question. He said, I, you know, I've been, I've been among you every day in the temple. Never a word of harm or never, but you come here at this place. Um, three of the gospels tell us of this struggle that happens in that moment where someone is injured and Jesus performs a miraculous healing right there on the spot. The claims that he had made about himself about being the son of God are considered blasphemy by those in the temple. No human man can be the son of God. And so he's brought before Caiaphas, the high priest, and Caiaphas questions him about it and they insult him and they accuse him, accuse him of things. And then Caiaphas turns that whole temple dispute into a political thing, picking up on Jesus' claims to be the son of God and the cry of the people that he was the king of the Jews. Caiaphas, wisely, smartly, for his own purposes, turns it into a political thing. And he says to Pilate, this man is claiming to be a king. Lies are made up about him that eventually puts Jesus before Pilate. Now, Pilate sees the charade. He knows what's going on. This is just a temple dispute. This is between you Jews. You've got to figure it out. But he submits to the pressure of the people who are crying out for the blood of Jesus. I asked the question last Sunday. What happened? How did he get so misidentified? How was he identified one day as the king entering the city and only a few days later they're calling out for his blood? We can speculate as to what happened in the span of those few days, what kind of politics were going on behind the scenes. But I believe the question is most directly answered by Isaiah himself, who says it was God's will that these things came to be. So Pilate gives up and says, do with them what you want. Jesus is beaten and flogged. And it crossed my mind whether or not it would pick up a few images. Maybe some of you have seen the movie several years ago, Passion of the Christ. It's not the only movie that depicts the crucifixion. And I wondered about whether or not we would need to appreciate just seeing some of the images of that. I've decided against it for a number of different reasons. One of which is, I didn't come here to upset you, and i got to tell you, the images are deeply upsetting. The images are not what we want to see. We don't want to imagine that your sin and my sin, your imperfection and my imperfection, your selfishness and my selfishness comes with that kind of a cost. I will only speak for myself to say I'm much more comfortable not being reminded what kind of pain it causes God when I again decide to be selfish. I think about the disciples in that time and I think whatever anticipation they must have had during the triumphal entry, has been completely reduced to ashes. From the moment of surprise when Judas shows up in the garden with a bunch of, a mob of people, with the first moment when the disciples think, wait, 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 something's wrong, something's going sideways. So the next time they see Jesus and he's beaten so hard he can barely stand. Whatever they anticipated has been reduced to ashes. If you're here today, and you can testify that at one time or another in your life, God has disappointed you. That something that you anticipated just did not pan out. The way that you had hoped for, planned for, and maybe even prayed for. Then you get a sense of understanding of where the disciples were at that moment. Everything they had anticipated is ruined. His arrest a mock trial, conviction, sentenced to death, 
It's probably the most well-known act of injustice in, uh, recorded in human history. If you look at the event itself, you'd have to say, there's no way that good comes from that. That is as wrong and as bad as we can imagine. One man who is innocent of everything that's being said against him has never caused a moment of violence against any other person reduced to that. So I ask, what did it accomplish? It's not a completely obscure question. We already have at least a sense of that. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a sense of the answer to that question. That the sacrifice of Christ allows us the freedom to be in this place and to start again. Whatever burden you've brought with you, whatever struggle, whatever disappointment, whatever frustration, the joy that we have in knowing tomorrow is another new day and maybe there'll be sun tomorrow. But whatever short bringing, shortfall I have, I know with absolute confidence I can bring it to God and I get a new start. And I've lost count to how many new starts I have. And so if anything else, we can start there and say it's accomplished that much. New life, new hope for tomorrow. Fresh start, mercy's new every day. That doesn't happen. None of that goodness, hope for tomorrow, none of that anticipation comes except for the Jesus Christ. In a couple minutes, we're going to say this just as I am. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pay close attention to the actual words of the song. And as we're singing, I'm going to invite you to come on up here and find a place. It's completely out of our comfort zone. Those of you who are here this morning, especially those who came earlier, you were such good Baptists. You sat as far back as you could. <laughs> to actually get up and come up here on the platform and find a place is way out of your comfort zone. I know that. It's actually part of the reason why we set it up this way. I'm asking you, on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ that we'll never get our heads around, to step out of your comfort and respond to the invitation. There is a symbolism in the fact that a table has been prepared for you. There's been work that's been done to invite you to come to a place, quite honestly, that we don't belong. To the extent that this represents the grace of God and the sacrifice of Christ, who amongst us has the right to say, oh, I'll claim that? The answer is none. This is the part of the justice of God that I'm not sure I've got sorted out in my head. That he has prepared for us. And this is a picture, right? His word tells us there is ultimately a table prepared for us that puts this to shame. You only need to respond and come. It's not a mistake that Jesus tells the parable of the banquet that's been laid out. And, and the owner of the banquet says, go and get people and invite them in and people won't come. And he says, this is only reserved for those who will actually come and respond to the invitation. So I'm inviting you, as we sing this song, to come and come all the way up and find a spot and sit. And, and if the table's filled and there's no space, come as far, far forward as you can in the pews. And if you're sitting there right now and you're just in complete angst because I just can't do it, just stay in the pew, but come as close as you can. Let's do this song together. And as we're singing, I invite you to come to the table. Pretty well stated right there on the screen for you. The reality is that mankind, since before the time of Christ, has wrestled with these very things. Where do I find pardon? Where do I find fulfillment? 
Where can I find rescue? We got band-aid solutions. We, we have things that we can do or we can buy or we can build into our lives that meet us for the moment. But they're fleeting, right? They come and go, you, you can go ahead and have a seat where you are. Right? The things that we can produce ourselves that bring some sense of rescue or some sense of fulfillment, do they not come and go like that? The money that I can put in my bank account that makes me feel more secure for tomorrow is gone in one emergency. The things that I can build around me that give me a sense of okay and security, they can disappear without a moment. I can't be the only one in this room who all of a sudden got the unexpected news that a job was ending. I can't be the only one in this room that got the unexpected news that family health was in crisis. The things that we take for granted can be gone like that. So this has been our need. Where is their true rescue? Where is there something that I can hook into and I know it's going to be there tomorrow? Despite any other circumstance. This is the goodness that has come out of the cross of Jesus Christ. That there is a place we can do that. There is a person. There's an event in history. There's a God-ordained sequence of events that brought together something that I can base everything else in my life on. And so I come today broken. Needing to be mended. I come and, and you come. I know there's more than one of us in the room who comes wounded today. Needing healing. This is, this is a really beautiful thing. That a family of God gathers around a table. This picture means so much more than just what's on the table in front of you. Some of you are feeling this morning, I'm empty and I wish there was something that could fill me. By the blood of Christ the Lamb, and I'm welcomed into his open, his open arms just as I am. Come on, do we not all know that you can't just come before God the way you are, can you? <laughs> what kind, how does that make sense? That I can just come to God all messed up and all broken and all empty and all desperate? And yet that's exactly what the gospel states. Many of us were raised in a church culture that says, when you get your act together, when you get yourself cleaned up, then you're presentable to God. And the gospel tells us the opposite. The gospel tells us that there were people there hurling insults at him as he died. And his prayer was, Father, forgive them. Because they don't, they're not fully aware of what they're doing. I don't, I don't naturally resonate with that kind of grace. The nature of Christ is hard for me to absorb. But this is who He is. This is the gift of God. This is the goodness of Friday. So we come to the table that's been prepared for us. It's symbolic of something much greater. We come before a holy and perfect God, even though we know we shouldn't be able to. We come reminded of the grace that we don't deserve, but we freely receive. We come here today to consider the cost of what was paid that none of us could afford. To appreciate once again the life, what life can and should be like when I'm actually reconciled to God. And to be at the table with others who wrestle with those same struggles. Everything required in order for me to experience forgiveness, freedom, healing, fullness of my soul, the 
blessing of my relationships, the peace of mind, the well-being of my spirit, no matter what things I've anticipated that God didn't fulfill, I can come today knowing that. And it's not just me. It's not an individual thing. It's community. It always has been. Inasmuch as our faith is a deeply personal thing, the picture of us together being around the table is symbolic as well. Let me read for you from Ephesians, where Paul talks about what was accomplished by the sacrifice of Christ. Listen to these words. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcised, those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. It was on purpose that I asked you to move close. Because I want you to understand that every single one of us at one time was far away from God. I don't know what age you were when you first encountered and accepted the gospel. If you're a believer here today, whatever age that was for you. But this is common amongst all of us. There was a time and a place in our life, in your life, in every one of us individuals, where we were far away from God and not deserving any of his grace. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, one body of Christ, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Reconciled to God through the cross by which he put to death hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we all have access to the Father by one spirit. We're going to sing uh, one more song and then I'm going to ask Ross to go ahead and pray for communion. And here's communion is going to be a little bit different today. You, you are accustomed to sitting in the seats and the communion is going to be brought to you. And today, communion sits in front of you on this table. And so once Ross prays for the bread this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to reach ahead to any one of the bread-like items. There's crackers, there's chips, there's bread, there's whatever. Once Ross prays, you can reach for it, grab a piece of it, and just hold on to it. And once we know that everybody in the room has got a piece, then we'll eat that together in remembrance of the body of Christ, okay? So as we sit here together at the table, let's sing this song in preparing our hearts for the bread. Typically, we have people who serve communion. This morning, grab a basket and let's serve one another. You're going to find a lot of different options for bread-like items. For those of you who need something that's gluten-free, there are a couple of, uh, couple of options on the table that are gluten-free. And as you're doing that, I'm just going to ask you to, to listen carefully and recognize uh, we do have some bread on the table that's familiar to most of us for communion. Most of what is on the table is uh, a flattened uh, crackers or chips or a nan bread. And it was a reminder, as I talk about things being symbolic today, that at the Passover table, their bread would have been flat. And uh, there was a reason for that, that they would have known and appreciated at the Passover table. As they celebrated Passover, and they looked back historically at the event itself, um, the Passover bread was flat because there was no time for the yeast to rise in it. The salvation that God brought to the people uh, of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt came so suddenly, came so swiftly, when God said, mark your doors with the blood of the Lamb because I'm going to bring 
uh, the spirit of death on this land. And if you're marked with the blood of the lamb in your household, you'll be saved. And that salvation came so swiftly, there was no time for the bread to rise. And so part of their Passover meal was done with flat bread to remind them of the swift hand of God. We think on Good Friday and we, we consider the, the, the weight of the cross and how horrible it was. At the same time, God's hand of salvation comes immediately into our life. And, and you've tasted that too. I know you have. When God has suddenly done the unexpected thing that just brought blessing and freedom, and there's really no other way to admit it. I, I've had conversations with some of you who have said, I, I've been in the room where the doctor has said, this is the state, irreparable, irrevocable, can't do anything about it, only to have them say later, I don't know what happened, but this person is healed. And that's just one example. I know many of you have experienced that time in which God has shown up unexpectedly and has done something immediately. As we hold that piece in your hand that represents the body of Christ, it is uh, not lost on us that as part of the story is, in his crucifixion, as he was hanging on the cross, as he was dying, one of the things they mocked him with was, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. If you truly are who you say you are, save yourself. How ironic it is that he was on the cross specifically not to save himself, but to save them. So as you take this bread, this item, and as you eat it, let's think and set our minds on the body of Christ that was given so that we can know freedom. We don't often hear that crunching sound in our communion, do we? First thing that came to mind as I heard it was brokenness. He had to be broken in order for us to celebrate what we do. On the table, there's a number of cups. Can you start passing those out to one another? And there's white jugs with juice in them. We appreciate again that we're here to serve one another this morning. And think on this. In a minute, when we're prepared, Mark Johnson's going to pray for the cup this morning. And while we do this, I'll just point out to you that there's a lot of food on this table this morning, and I'm hoping that you'll stay here with us even after we're done the more formal parts of our service and spend this time together. I read from Ephesians 2 on purpose so that we would recognize that our individual salvation was something that brought us, brought us into community. The table is a great place of community. appreciate the opportunity we have to serve one another and stepping out of our comfort, zone, comfort zones and coming to the table this morning. Thank you for your participation. everybody Mark if you would pray for the cup this morning
as he sat with his disciples that night at the table, and, and they must have anticipated something was up, he took the cup, Scripture tells us, he took the cup there and he said, this cup represents a new covenant, a new agreement. He started something brand new that had never been done before, and he said, every time you drink it, remember me. So let's drink this together in remembrance of him. What was accomplished in this terrible sacrifice that was made? Three things we've identified this morning that have been accomplished. First of all, there was an invitation made that can't be made any other way. None of us have the right to come to the table, but we are given the invitation regardless, and that happens through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the very presence of being at the table reminds us this is not an individual thing, it is a community thing, and so it, it puts us into a family of believers that we would nev not have any other way. The connection between us, our faith in Jesus Christ, that was accomplished, the unity of his people accomplished, it says in Scripture, by the cross. The worship team is going to finish with one more song. You want to listen as they sing. That talks about abiding with Christ and Him with us. The fact that we can be with God, present with God, that we can dare approach His throne. All of that as well, accomplished by the death on the cross. So listen as the worship team shares in this song. This talks about abiding with Him. Up ahead, eternity will weep no more, will sing for joy, abide with me. Will sing no joy, abide with me. Abide with me. Passover was a meal, and like I said, it didn't look anything like this, but I invite you to stay. That's the, the, the formal part of our service is done, but I invite you to stay and spend some time, have something to eat. There's lots of food here. I don't want to take it home. Um, so let's stay. Let's spend some time together and just appreciate what God has accomplished for each of us individually and for us as a family and spend some time here together at the meal. Let me, let me pray for us as we close our service and invite you to uh, stay here with us. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, we know it to be good. The, the, the day of your death, the day of your sacrifice, there's nobody that was thinking good at that time. There's nobody that imagined what would come of it. Uh, but you've given us the grace of being at this point in history where we are that we can look back and know, as horrific as that was, it is the very source of everything that we call good. And so we thank you for it. This is a great weekend for us as your followers to celebrate 
what is accomplished. Because, Father, we know that the story of your crucifixion is not the end. It was, in fact, only the beginning of what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for the presence of your Spirit that guides us in spending this time together. We ask your blessing as we spend this time together as well, just around this table, sharing in food, sharing in time with one another. And we thank you for all of this in the powerful name of our Savior, our Redeemer, and our sacrifice, Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you. Please take some time. Stay around.